0: Happy Easter again. Yeah. I've been reading through the Gospels through this Easter and the series, uh, this whole time of Lent and everything else. And I've been reading time and time again the resurrection stories. And every single time I've, I read them, I get so excited. I really do because it really is fascinating to see how people respond to the resurrection How people responded back in the day, how people, the different people you read in the Bible, how different people responded to the news that Jesus was alive. And what really is interesting is the fact that the resurrection of Jesus is or means everything to the Christian faith. It means everything to the Christian faith, and that's why right from the beginning, and I always think about this around Easter time, right from the beginning, people have been trying to discredit this whole resurrection story. I always remember another series that was done a few years back about this guy who, uh, it was a television series on finding the tomb of Jesus, and I always think about that. And of course, after two episodes, the whole thing was, even the whole network canceled that show because both atheists as well as scholars generally said, man, that's rubbish basically what he's talking about. But why is the resurrection? Why do people uh, get so, uh, not enthusiastic, so, I mean, bent out of shape just to prove that the resurrection is a fake? It is because Christianity hinges on the truth That Jesus is alive. Because if the resurrection is true, that means Christianity and its claims have to be true. That means the Old Testament and what the prophets said in the Old Testament have to be true. That means what Jesus said and what the Apostle Paul and all the other New Testament writers wrote, that has to be true. That means salvation is true. That means God is real and the fact that we all have to give an account for the way we live our lives one day scares people so much that they don't want to believe in the resurrection. And right from the beginning, they tried to do this. You think about it. Back in Jesus' day, the, the Jewish leaders bribed the Roman soldiers, give them money and he says, hey, don't say anything about a resurrection. Just say the disciples stole the body. They've been trying to hide it 2,000 years. They've been trying to do it, but they have not been able to prove or disprove that Jesus actually rose again. The resurrection stands at the heart of our faith. That's why Paul himself says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Hinges. On the fact. I know people say. Well he didn't really. And these arguments you've heard before probably. He didn't really die. He just fainted on that cross. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing the Roman soldiers knew how to do. That was execute someone. Oh the leaders you know. They just hid the body. Because they didn't want there to be a riot. You know and people. They didn't want people to come. And make a big deal about Jesus being crucified. But. It caused a riot when he rose again. All they had to do is bring the body of Jesus and say, hey, here it is. This is your hoax that you've been pushing. He didn't really rise again. Of course, the most popular one is what? That the disciples hid the body. The disciples stole the body of Jesus and hid it. But honestly, the thought of 11 people who were totally scared, they weren't even at the cross when Jesus was crucified. The thought of 11 people taking on soldiers, battle-hardened Roman soldiers... Without even, you know, that must have been the most covert ever, you know, whatever they've done. Taking on these guys and then trying to steal the body without doing that. And it's kind of ridiculous, overpowering, trained Roman soldiers. And of course, just creating this big lie that he rose from the dead. What are the chances of that happening? What are the chances... Of people going through so much trouble just to keep a lie alive, as such. Anyway, I'm not here really to talk and debate whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. I am convinced and I believe what the Bible has to say, not because my parents told me to do it, not because my pastor told me to believe it. No, I have studied this for myself, I have experienced and I have encountered jesus through his word and that's why i believe that's why i believe and that's the starting point of my my sermon and i hope i hope really hope that you can make your own mind up that you will believe in jesus or whatever by your own on your own not being influenced by anything else I've been listening to a series on Thomas, talking to a message on Thomas. And I know we give him a bad rap because he doubted Jesus. But if you really read the portions where Thomas is mentioned, he doesn't doubt Jesus as much as he wants to... Not just, he says he wants to think for himself. He doesn't want to believe what others told him about the resurrection. If I want to do, honestly... The more I think about it, the more I relate to Thomas. Because I'm not influenced by what people say. I need to know what the truth is and then I will believe. And I pray. It's not about doubting Thomas. It's about being a real Thomas, really. If you want to know the truth, I encourage you to pursue. Run after the truth earnestly. And I pray that you will make up your mind. I know I used this example probably several times. About, you know, this football game, this guy... Uh, they're backed up to their two-yard line. I've used this example several times. they have backed up to the two-yard line, and then the quarterback gets hurt. The quarterback gets hurt. He's got to be pulled out. And now the second-string quarterback, he's sick already, so they put the third-string quarterback in there. And the coach doesn't know what to do because they're backed up at their own two-yard line. So the coach tells him, hey, we just got to get out of danger, so run the ball the first time, hand it to the running back, 2nd Run second down, run the ball again, third down, just kick it away. And so, of course, this guy, the third string quarterback, gets all excited. He goes in there. The first thing he does, first play right, he goes and hands the ball over. First down, hands the ball over, and the running back manages to miraculously squeeze through the line, and he gets 50 yards before he's tackled. And everybody's excited. Next play comes along. Guess what? He gives it again to the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback gives it to the running back. This guy squeezes his way through, makes it another 45 yards, and then gets tackled three yards short of the goal line. Guess what happens on the third play? Everybody's waiting. Everybody's excited. Everybody's excited to see what's going to happen. This guy drops back perfectly and punts the ball away at the three-yard line. And everybody is like, what are you doing? And the coach is so mad and everybody's like shocked, basically. And as he walks out, the coach grabs him by the collar and he says, what were you thinking? And the guy says, yeah, I was thinking what a stupid coach I have for call that play. <laughs> Thank God he gives us, he calls plays in, but he gives us the choice to make our own minds up. And I challenge you to do that when it comes to God's word. When it do, I challenge you to think for yourself when it comes to the Christian faith. Please do not be a Christian just because someone told you to become a Christian. I challenge you. Think for yourself. Get into God's word. And I pray you encounter the risen Savior. Because when I met Jesus... Through his word, through my life's experience, my life has not been the same again. Have I had it perfect? Have I had it all right? Far from it. But because of my faith in a living God, in a living Savior, I can make it. And I pray you experience him. The question has to be asked, so what? Jesus rose from the dead, so what? Again, I'm not here to debate the authenticity or whatever, historicity, anything else. But it does beg two questions. What does the resurrection mean for us today? And what did it mean to those people back then? What happened? Something happened in those three days because it changed the lives of so many people through the years. Start with the disciples themselves. These 11 guys, basically Judas had already gone. These 11 guys, their lives were transformed. They went from being scared people to people who were ready to lay their lives down, but not deny the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And it wasn't just these 11 disciples who conspired. It was hundreds of people there who were willing to lay down their lives, willing to die. You know, they were... Thrown to the lions, the animals, and everything else that the Romans had to do. Tortured to death. But they were not willing to deny the resurrection of Christ. Something had to have happened. What did? And think about it. 300 so years later, the whole Roman Empire, Christianity became the national religion as such. Something happened. What did Easter mean? What did Easter... Mean What did Jesus uh, rising from the dead mean back then? Number one, for them back then, it meant that Jesus was speaking the truth. Jesus was seeking the truth to those in the first century. It simply meant that whatever he said was true. John eleven twenty five. 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life who believes in me will, e- will live even though he dies. Jesus made outrageous claims as such. While he was here on earth, basically he claimed he can forgive sins, and people got mad because he says, Who are you, God, to forgive sins? And he basically was saying, Yes, not directly, but indirectly. That he was indeed God. I am the Savior of the world, and that's what he was going to say. That's what he meant to say all the time. That's what he intended to say. Now, a lot of people don't have a problem with Jesus being a good teacher. You know, that Jesus, they all are, okay, Jesus taught some good stuff. Now, I can be a good teacher and everybody say a good teacher. But once I start saying that I'm God, most of you will think that I'm a little, you know, I'm losing it a little here. I'm not a good teacher if I lie about who I really am. Now, Jesus being a good teacher. Yeah, we can't just stop at that point there. He is either who he says he is or he's just lying about the whole thing. But the fact that he rose again on the third day proves that he said, and he is what he said he really was. He basically said, again, I am God. And the resurrection validated, validated his claim. One of the main reasons the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him was because he was claiming equality with God. That was the primary reason that they wanted to get rid of him. But the truth is this, the resurrection proved that he really Was God he said I mean you can mock me they'll mock me they'll kill me but after three days I will raise again that's what he said and the resurrection proved it and not just them you look at it through the bible you know all these demons they recognize who Jesus is they said Jesus is what the son of the most high God the blind man in John 5 he says believed in Jesus was Lord and worshiped him The disciples recognized him as God. The Roman soldier we talked about last week said, surely this man is the son of God. And the resurrection proved that he really was who he said he was. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. And that's a pretty strong claim to make in today's world. Because people throw out the really cute cliche, all roads lead home or Rome or whatever. All roads lead to heaven ultimately. But the truth is, if you ask someone seriously, ask anyone seriously, we know that that statement is a fallacy. We Not all roads lead to heaven as such. We cannot agree with every single person's religious perspective. We cannot agree that it's okay to beat your wife up just because she's your property. We won't agree with that. We don't agree with a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl getting married to a 50, 60-year-old man because that culture, their religion allowed it. Now we can go on and on and on and show examples. So stop throwing that thing around. Oh, all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to heaven ultimately. That is not true. There is one way and it's called Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You either believe it all the way or not believe it at all because there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. People struggle to accept the Bible. And I think the problem very often is not just what the Bible has to say. It's by the way we, the church, have lived our lives. And I'm sorry. We have not. We've held the truth as something we hold on to. We hear you out there, heathens, Gentiles, all the names that you want to call them there we have not really lived the gospel like the love of god wants us to live that's the challenge the resurrection live out the passion with a passion for the truth and love easter proved and proves that jesus is claimed uh, claimed who he said he was uh, sorry proved that he is who he said he was second thing that easter showed for back then approved back then is that jesus had the authority He had the power to do what he said he would do. He had the power, all power. Matthew 28, 18, it says, all power in earth and in heaven is given to me. The resurrection proved that he had all the power and all authority. All, nobody, he says again, nobody can take my life. I willingly lay it down. Now, the Jewish leaders thought they had one. They had crucified the heretic, got rid of him. That wasn't true. The Romans themselves thought, you know what? We got it. We got him now. But we know they were just stopping or delaying what was really going to happen three days later. They put him in a tomb with 24-hour guards posted there 24 hours a day. But honestly, they were just, they didn't know what was going to happen. That's why. Because he had the power over life and death, nothing could keep him down. Because he himself had the power. And Jesus' resurrection, him rising from the dead, proved that he had the power over death itself. He had and has the power. The third thing that I love about Easter and what it meant back then is, first of all, that he said he is really what he said he was, really. The second thing is that he had the authority over, authority over death itself and authority over every situation. The third thing is that he fulfills what he promises. He said that he would rise again after three days and he rose again. He is never going to make a promise that he cannot fulfill in your life. He is never going to promise you something that he cannot deliver. That is not the God we worship. And the fact that he rose from the dead on the third day proves that when you stand on his word, when you believe with your heart what he says on his word, he will never disappoint you. Because think about it. Friday, there was that pain of loss. Saturday was the confusion. What's happening? But on the third day, when he rose from the dead, all doubt, all fear, All sadness, all sorrow, all confusion was cleared away because he rose from the dead. And that's what it's about. Now you may be holding on to a promise that God gave you. You may be reading the word, but you don't really understand what it's saying. Or you may be saying, I don't know why this is still happening to me. All you got to do is remember the Easter story. He said he will rise again. He rose again on the third day. He said this in his word and I will believe it. And when I believe it, I will see that his promises come through. That's who Jesus, that's who Jesus is. That's what the resurrection did for, for, uh, for us as Christians. He is who he said he is. He has the power and the authority that he said he had. And he keeps his promises that he makes. What does it mean for us right now? What does Jesus rising from the dead mean for me right now? Number one, I can experience forgiveness. Amen. I can experience forgiveness. I know that my past cannot control my life anymore. Amen. That's the whole point of Easter is that my life cannot be controlled by my past when I come and give it to God. Amen. Promise of forgiveness. Amen. Most of you... Most of you know this. I didn't. I grew up in India. I didn't, I didn't use power tools. Never used power tools. And I thought that was fascinating when it came to America. Like, man, you got something. You don't even have to screw that thing. You just press a button and it goes for you. <laughs> you know, no skill saw, no table saw, nothing of that sort. And so anyway, at church, we were having this. There, some person had left some stuff at the church basement, some of his tools. And I uh, know I probably shared this before. I don't know. Heather wanted something, needed a... Uh, kind of like a platform to put a computer on on a desk. And so I thought I was an expert by now. And so there were some two-by-fours lying around. There was a piece of plywood lying around. And so what I did is I tried to make a nice little, you know, just a top. It's so, it's terrible. Halfway through, I realized. Halfway through, I realized it was not balanced. One two-by-four was a little bigger than the other two-by-four. And I wanted to start over, but I went back to the basement and all the wood. Basically, I'd used the good piece of plywood and most of the two by four that I had. There was pieces here and there. And and I wish I could start over. Heather still gives me a hard time saying I'm not a finished carpenter. But that was 15 years ago. I'm much better right now. I promise you. I own my own power tools now, so I'm good at it. Sort of, maybe. I don't know. But here's the thing. Here's the truth. Many of us experience life and halfway through we realize we want to redo. Because like me in just the stupid task of building a wooden deck as such, a small little wooden stand. I realized that I messed up. That I didn't make the right choice when I cut it and I didn't do what I intended to do. The truth is this. A lot of us live life like that sometimes. A lot of us don't make the right choices. Sometimes life happens and we are affected by the choices other people make. And we all wish that we can have a redo. I wish I can start over. I wish I can try this again. That's the beautiful message of Easter. That you can start over. You can Start over. It may not take away all the pain. It may not take away all the memories right away. But you can start again. Even though I myself have made really dumb decisions. I may have to face the consequences. But God is there to forgive me. So I don't have to live under the burden of guilt, shame, sin, anything else. You may not believe in all the other things. But let me tell you the one thing. It's worth it to be a Christian if you can live a life with a clear conscience. I've said this several times. It's so worth it to be a Christian because you can live life without a clear con- with a clear conscience. You don't have to live under the burden of sin and guilt. And here's the best part. You don't have to get it right every single time because he's not going to throw you away every time you make a mistake either. Right. His forgiveness for what I did in the past, but it also forgives the stupid things I'm going to do in the future. All I got to do is rely on him more and more and more. Rely on the one who rose from the grave on the third day. He forgives. He forgives. That's the beauty of the Easter story. That life with all its regrets, all its regrets really can't, really can't affect me as much as it should. Because I trust in him. Because I trust in Him. And I don't mean to be insensitive to people, but you cannot live your life in the present or in the future if you're still stuck in the past. And life may be rough because of what you did or what someone else did to you. But you can make and live life to the fullest if you put your trust in Him. That's not just a fancy story. It is reality. I can introduce it to people. Many people who will say the same story. My past was a piece of junk. I can live my life to the fullest because I have Jesus right now. That's not going to insulate me from all the trouble in the world. We live in a fallen world. We will always be affected by the fallenness of mankind. But he is able to take care of me. One more word of caution. Please fight the urge. Fight the urge to blame God for everything that has happened in your life. Please fight the urge. I know it's hard to do, but please fight the urge to blame God for everything that's happened in your life. People make bad choices. Sometimes those choices affect us. But the good news is this. You don't have to carry that burden your whole life. You don't have to carry that burden of sin, guilt, or shame anymore. Because he rose from the dead, he wiped it all away. He wiped it all away. He paid for my sin. He paid. He was nailed to the cross so I don't have to nail myself on it again. He canceled every debt I owe. He canceled every debt I owed. Now, I'm never going to, if I pay a bill, I'm never going to go look at it again. It's done. It's either thrown away or filed somewhere for the IRS later. I don't know. We don't bother with the debt that's already paid. He paid the price. All we have to do is accept it. It's a struggle because it's too easy, too simple. We'd rather walk around and crawl around the church and go climb a mountain to try and find God. When it's simple messages, all you have to do is believe in your heart. That's too simple for people. All you got to do is believe Believe in your heart. There is no condemnation when it comes to Christ. The second part, what it means for us today. First, I experience forgiveness. My past is taken care of and the future blunders I make are taken care of. Now, Easter means that I have the strength to make it for today. I have the strength or he gives me the strength. I need to make it through every situation in my life right now. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. But He gives us the strength and the power to make it through every problem that is going to be thrown our way. He gives us that sense of strength, the power to manage my life. Even though, no matter how dark that valley is. No matter how hard the situation is. He gives us the strength. All we got to do is trust Him. He gives us the strength to make it through. I don't know. I just... I have a hard time talking to people who have life all figured out. I think the more I become, not the more I become a parent, but when I became a parent, I realized as the kids grow, I don't have it all together. They remind me of that. Just when you're ready to go, one of them forgets the toy, and of course there's a meltdown, and then I've got to get down, go upstairs, go get the toy, and come back, and then it's got the wrong toy again. You know what I'm talking about. It's a simple illustration. But the truth is this. I've realized more and more that I don't have it together. But I thank God I don't have to have it all together. Because in my weakness, His strength is made perfect. In my weakness, God is. That's the balance right there. When I can't make it on my own, He's there to lift me up, hold me up, fill me up, whatever. To make sure that I can keep going. All we got to do is trust in Him. Quit trying to do it on your own because you will burn out. Trust in the one who can, who's been through everything that you have been through and can help you through it. He is the strength we need. We won't always understand, church, and this is the truth. We won't always understand everything life throws at us. All we got to do is trust that God will never lose control of my life. He's never going to lose control of my life, my family, my kids. He's never going to stop being in control because I trust him. Because I trust him. He is always in control. Always in control. The truth is, we live in a world that is, let me put it this way, so entitled. I mean, I teach in a high school and I got one of my colleagues right here. And she'll tell you, some of these kids think they deserve grades for a paper they don't turn in. (laughs) They fight with us to get a grade for a paper they didn't turn in. The truth is, many of us live lives like that. Many of us live lives. Many of us think everybody owes us stuff. And we in the church do the same thing. We think God owes us stuff. And again, forgive me for saying this phrase. We want a sugar daddy instead of a God because we want someone who will just give us and give us and give us stuff. And when we don't get something, we're going to whine about it. Yeah. Amen. I'm sorry if that offends people, but that's the truth. That's what we think God is. Yeah. He's just there to make me happy. He's just there to give me everything I want. He's just there to make my life comfortable. He's just there to take care of every single thing so I don't have to work at all. Let God be God. You do your part and trust Him. No matter what you go through, let God be God. Put your trust in Him. Put your trust in Him. Because He says, they that trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. Trust in Him. Trust in the one who rose from the grave. He gives us the strength. Because He is always in control. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. No matter how hopeless, and let me say this, earnestly, no matter how hopeless your situation seems, no matter how desperate your situation is, and you feel helpless. I know it sounds sounds crazy, but that's the place God wants you to be. Because when you are helpless, you realize you really need help. That's when he comes in and helps you. Because as long as you think you can figure it out, as long as you think you can fix it, God's just going to stand back and wait. He's not going to force his way into your life. It's when you come to that point in your life where you surrender and you say, God, you know what? I can't do it. That's when you learn to trust him and his control. You're not always going to understand everything. But what you need to know and believe is that he is in control of your life. He is in control of your life. He controlled and has the power over death itself. He can control every situation in your life. He is in control. Now, am I ready for everything that life has to throw at me? I'm never going to be ready. But I'm also never going to give up hope. Never going to give up hope because He is my hope. He gives us the hope for today. The third thing, my past is taken care of, my future blunders are taken care of because I experience forgiveness. He gives me hope and strength for today. And most of all, He gives me a firm, secure future. Yeah. He gives me a firm, secure future. One of the universal truths that we all cannot escape is that one day we will all breathe our last. Death is the great equalizer. We cannot escape the fact that one day that we are all going to die. It's kind of foolish to not prepare for something that you know is going to happen. Now I promise you it's not a scare tactic of heaven and hell. But here's the truth. That's it. I promise. It's not that. I'm just saying what the word of God says. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is one way that is through Jesus Christ. And when we believe in him and put our trust in him. We get to enjoy eternity with him. Now, I'm not going to please. I'm not going to judge who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. That's God's job. I don't have to stand here and say, oh, okay, because you're doing this, 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 this. Therefore, you're going to go to hell and I'm going to go to heaven. That is not what we're talking about at all. Here's the truth. I know my future is secure because I trust in him. You've got to make the choice for yourself, not me. And I can't tell you you're going to hell because you're doing this, 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 this. That's not my job. The truth is this. The assurance. The assurance that when this short life is done, I'm going to live with him forever. Now that's a fancy idea of fairy tale to some of you. And that's fine. The world probably thinks we're stupid for believing in something like that. Oh, if you're good enough, you're going to make it. Let me tell you, good enough is never going to make it. Because what is good for you is totally horrible for someone else. So there is no standard for good besides God. Put your faith in Him, put your trust in Him. Believe in Him. Because that's what's secure. That's what secures your future. Trust in Him. He takes care of the past, He gives me strength for today. It's the simple message of Easter. My past is taken care of. I don't have to walk or live under that burden anymore. He gives me strength for today. And he gives me hope. Real hope for tomorrow. That's the resurrection story. It's not complicated. Church, we don't have to complicate that message to people. It's pretty simple. Put your trust in him. Because he is in control. I know the world accuses us of arrogance because we are so arrogant about this. But the truth is this, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, if we can live and change, I don't, I don't know how to change that perception people have about us. I guess all we can do is teach them and live in humility that contradicts the arrogance that they think we have. Let's live our lives in humility like Jesus himself. He took the cloth, washed his disciples' feet. Even though he was God, the Bible says, he made himself nothing. And because he became obedient to death, death on a cross, God raised him up on the third day and gave him a name that is above every name. But that one day at the name of Jesus, one day there will be a day when at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That's where I want to be. Let's bow our heads in prayer this time. Honestly, church, Christianity is not about doing good stuff. Christianity is not about, you know, collecting all the good stuff here and pray that my good outweighs the bad. And that's how I'm going to make it, I guess. Christianity is about having a real experience and an encounter with the risen Savior. And don't wait just for a moment like Paul when he's gone on the street on the way to Damascus. And all of a sudden there's this big loud voice, this bright light and everything else. I know many of us wait for that big loud voice, that booming voice from the air. Oh, and then we say, okay, God, this must be real. I pray that you will believe in him and put your faith in him. Again, I promise you. I'm not saying I've got something and you don't have it and I'm going to rub it in your face. It's not about that at all. There is so much i got to look into my own life. I've got so much stuff in my own life that I need to take care of. I don't have time to tell you something or accuse you or condemn you or anything else. Thank God He never... Let's go of us. Here's the truth I want you to meditate on. I have put myself in the shoes of those disciples that last week of Jesus' life. First he comes riding on a donkey and everybody's excited and I get so excited. This is the moment. A few days later he's saying, you know what, you got to go wash people's feet. I'm like, what are you talking about? The very next day, basically he's been accused and dragged through the streets, basically carrying a cross and nailed there, and I have no idea what's happening. Confused, all the hope I had. It's just gone because I'm just left helpless. What do I do now? I trusted him and now he's gone. I believed in him for three and a half years. I've walked with him. I've seen him do so much stuff. But now he's gone. What am I going to do? (laughs) Here's the good news. On the third day, he rose again. Changed their lives, radically changed their lives and He did the same thing to me too. Radically changed my life. I had given up on myself. I had given up on situations in my life thinking that I was never going to be good enough. Even though I gave up, I thank God that He never gave up on me. That's what I want you to go with today. Even when we give up, even when we think we cannot make it, Jesus is never going to give up on me, Never going to give up on me. Lord, I thank you once again, God. I pray that Easter will make a difference in each and every one of our lives. That you will bring that hope, God. You be that light in that dark valley we're walking through. You bring that hope in that situation when we've given up on. That you will indeed, God, make yourself real in the midst of our situation, God. This morning I've got to ask... As every head is bowed and all eyes closed, I've got to ask the question. If you, and again, I said in the beginning, you've got to make your choice. As long as you're pointed in the right direction, we can talk about it. But I want to ask you this morning. Will you allow this Easter to make a difference in your life? Because he is who he said he is. He proved that time and time again. His promise is that he will never leave you. Never forsake you. And we know that Easter proved that he will deliver on that promise. So this morning I ask you, this afternoon I ask you. As every head is bowed and all eyes closed, if you want to, put your hope in Him once again. If you want to say, God, I know I'm going through a hard time. And I don't see it. I don't see a way out. A way out. But this morning, I still choose to trust you. If that's your prayer, I want you to just slip your hand up real quick and put it down and we'll pray together. Even when He gave up, thank you. Even when you give up, he will never give up on you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for putting your hands up. Please understand, this is not for me at all, not for those around us. It's between you and God. He sees you. He knows you. All you got to do is give him control. Thank God he never lets us go. Thank God for his love that he leaves the 99 to go running after us. That he will break every barrier that stands in the way to get to us. Let's outstand at this time and worship him. Hallelujah.